This is the last Sunday of 2023, and if you, if you remember, we did finish our journey through the Baptist Catechism. Last Sunday, we have uh, the Baptist Catechism on a two-year cycle, as you probably know, and uh, we, we did finish our study of the Baptist Catechism uh, last Sunday. And so, I wanted to take the opportunity uh, on this last Sunday of 2023 to give just kind of an overview of the Baptist Catechism and to uh, put before us uh, again the importance of catechetical preaching. I would like to begin by reading Baptist Catechism number 6, and then we will read God's Word, 1 Timothy 4, 6-11. through 11. Baptist Catechism number 6 is very important. Uh, it kind of provides a, a framework for the entire uh, catechism. Uh, it's also very important because of what it says. What things are chiefly or mainly contained in the Holy Scriptures? The answer that is given is very important. The Holy Scriptures chiefly contain what man ought to believe concerning God and what duty God requires of man. And so the answer here tells us that the Holy Scriptures are mainly about God and everything in relation to God. And the Holy Scriptures do reveal to us how we are to live, what duty God requires of man. These two things are what the Holy Scriptures are primarily about. Here now the reading of God's Word from 1 Timothy 4, 6-11. through 11. Here Paul is writing to Timothy, a minister of the Word, saying, If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive, because we have set our hope on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so you will save both yourself and your hearers. This is now the reading of God's Word. May He bless the teaching of it this afternoon. I've already told you what I'm going to do today. I'm going to take an opportunity here, the opportunity to uh, give you an overview of the Baptist Catechism and to uh, state uh, why it is that I think catechetical preaching is so important. First of all, what is catechetical preaching? It is preaching that aims to teach the core doctrines of the Christian faith, that is to say, the core doctrines contained within Holy Scripture, in a systematic way, using a catechism as a guide. And what is a catechism? You're familiar with catechisms now, most of you are at least. It is a document that seeks to communicate the core doctrines of the Christian faith through a series of questions and answers. And many catechisms have been produced in the history of the church. Some are good and some are bad. Uh, the good ones 
are faithful to the teaching of Holy Scripture. The bad ones are not. Some are longer and others are shorter. Some are old and others are new. The catechism we use here at Emmaus is called the Baptist Catechism, and I'd like to tell you about it. You know, I preach through the Baptist Catechism, as you know, regularly, but I don't know that all of you have heard about this Baptist Catechism, so I'd like to give you some background here. The Baptist Catechism was written sometime between 1693 and 1695. Uh, Now you understand why some of the language sounds very old. This is a very old document. In 1693, an association of Baptist churches in London requested that a catechism be drawn up for use in the churches. And by 1695, the Baptist catechism was in its fifth edition, or its fifth printing. We do not have copies of the first four editions, and so we say that it was written before 1695 and as early as 1693, One observation we could make from this is that it must have been very well received by the churches to have been in its fifth printing by the year 1695. Uh, Five printings in a two-year period of time is is a lot. And so the churches must have received this document. We don't have editions one through four. We don't have record of them, probably because these these books, these printings, they were used so much uh, by the families that they just wore out. Uh, They didn't stand the test of time, but we do have some very old 5th editions available to us. The Baptist Catechism is very similar to the Westminster Shorter Catechism, which was written in 1646 and 47. The Baptists adopted most of the Westminster Shorter Catechism, not because they were incapable of producing this work on their own, but to express agreement with their Presbyterian and Paedo-Baptist brethren. There are only 18 of the 114 questions in the Baptist Catechism that differ from the Westminster Shorter Catechism, and the main differences are found in the section on baptism. As you probably know, the Westminster Shorter Catechism teaches infant baptism. The Baptist Catechism teaches baptism upon a credible profession of faith only. The Baptist Catechism consists of 114 questions and answers. And these were carefully crafted to summarize the teaching of Holy Scripture and also to agree with the doctrines expressed in the Second London Confession of Faith, which is Emmaus's Confession of Faith. And so we have these two very important documents. Our Confession of Faith is very important. It is the doctrinal statement of the church. It's pretty long, 32 chapters long. Uh, you can read it in one sitting, no problem, but... It's not particularly well suited for use in preaching the way that we preach through the doctrines of the Catechism here at Emmaus. It certainly would be a very difficult doctrine, a document uh, to, to memorize. And so we have this Catechism, and I say it is a treasure to us. It summarizes the teaching of Holy Scripture. It summarizes in a very succinct way uh, the, the Christian faith, it is a wonderful tool for ministers of the Word of God to use to, to teach the people of God the faith and to do so faithfully and succinctly. I wanted to present you with a very brief overview of the content of the Baptist Catechism this morning. It's 114 questions and there is no structure, no visible structure uh, to the Catechism Upon first glance, it's not as if it's broken up into any sort of outline, but when you pay very close attention to the questions and answers, you see that there is, there is an outline there. There is 
th- there is a method that's being followed. There are theological truths that are being presented in a careful way so as to lay uh, firm foundations. If we were to open our catechisms and, and look carefully at these 114 questions, we would see that the first six questions establish first principles. They establish foundational truths. They tell us all about God, the importance of believing in God, and how it is that He reveals Himself in the world that He has made, but especially in the Holy Scriptures. All men are to make use of the Holy Scriptures, we are told. And we are also told in question 6, which we looked at just a moment ago, what the Scriptures chiefly contain, what they mainly teach. They teach us what we ought to believe concerning God and also what duty God requires of us. I told you earlier that question 6 is very important because it kind of sets forth the entire structure of the catechism uh, that follows. And that is true. In fact, if we look carefully at questions 7 through 43 of our catechism, we will notice that they are all about what we ought to believe concerning God. Notice, in fact, uh, question uh, number 7 of our uh, catechism. As I turn to it now, what does it say? What is God? The answer that is given is that God is spirit, infinite, eternal, and unchangeable, and is being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. And then we ask, are there more gods than one? After that, how many persons are there in the Godhead? What are the decrees of God? How does God execute His decrees? So on and so forth. This entire section, questions 7 through 43 of the Baptist Catechism, teach us all about God, our relationship to Him, and His plan of salvation in Christ Jesus. Uh, One of the things that I love to point out uh, when I give an overview of the Catechism is that the Gospel of Jesus Christ is presented in this section of our Catechism in a redemptive historical way. The Gospel of Jesus Christ is found here and it is presented in a a redemptive historical way. I wonder if I could explain this uh, very briefly to you. First of all, questions 7 through 15 teach us about God, His nature, His decrees, His act of creation, His act of providence, and His covenant, all of that is communicated to us in questions 7 through 15. In questions 16 through 22, we learn about sin, that is to say, man's alienation from God by his fall into sin. In questions 22 through 30, 23 through 31, we learn about the redemption that God has accomplished through Christ. In questions 32 through 43, we learn about the redemption that Christ has accomplished being applied to us through the Spirit. It's in questions 32 through, 40, uh, 32 through 34 that we learn about effectual calling unto faith in Christ. Questions 35 through 41, we learn about the benefits that come to those who are effectually called. And it's in questions 42 through 43 that we learn about what it is that Christ has saved us from, namely the miseries of damnation. And so the gospel is presented in this section in a redemptive historical way. And it is seen most clearly in questions 32 through 34. Question 32 asks, how are we made partakers of the redemption purchased by Christ? Christ has accomplished our redemption. We've learned all about that. But how do we come to be partakers of this redemption purchased by Christ? The answer that is given is this. We are made partakers of the redemption purchased by Christ by the effectual application of it to us by His Holy Spirit. 
Question 33. How does the Spirit apply to us the redemption purchased by Christ? Answer. The Spirit applies to us the redemption purchased by Christ by working faith in us and thereby uniting to us, uniting us to Christ in our effectual calling. So we come to be saved and we come to have all of these benefits that Christ has earned as the Spirit works upon our hearts and through faith. It's through faith that we come to be united to Christ. Question 34 then asks, what is effectual calling? Answer, effectual calling is the work of God's Spirit, whereby convincing us of our sin and misery, enlightening our minds in the knowledge of Christ, and renewing our wills, He does persuade and enable us to embrace Jesus Christ freely offered to us in the Gospel. So, in a most broad way, questions 7 through 43 of our Catechism are all about God. God and our relation to Him. A God, our rebellion against Him, and the salvation He has provided for us in Christ Jesus. But it's in this section that the gospel of Jesus Christ is presented to us in a redemptive historical way. We have fallen into sin. God promised to provide a Redeemer. The Redeemer has come, and He has accomplished our redemption. He is Christ the Lord. But how do we come to be saved in time? It is through the effectual application of this redemption to us by the Word and by the Spirit. It's beautiful. Why do I say this to you? Uh, Brothers and sisters, I want you to love this catechism. I want you to use it. I want you to see the gospel that is presented here. Parents, I especially want you to use this document to teach your children the Christian faith, but especially to highlight the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, They are in sin. They need a Savior. How do they come to be saved by the Savior? Through faith in Him. Through faith in Him is the answer. Questions 44 through 114 then turn our attention to the duty that God requires of man. Remember Baptist Catechism 6. What things are chiefly contained in the Holy Scriptures? Well, the Scriptures teach us what we ought to believe concerning God and the duty that God requires of man. And if we pay attention, question 44 of the Baptist Catechism asks, what is the duty which God requires of man? And the answer that is given is, the duty which God requires of man is obedience to His revealed will. And it's in questions uh, 44 uh, through 89 uh, that God's will is presented to us as we consider uh, the Ten Commandments, as we consider God's law. You remember that section, don't you? We studied it not long ago. Um, God reveals His will to us through His moral law. Where is that moral law found? It's in the Ten Commandments. And a very long section of our catechism walks us through the Ten Commandments, asking, what is the First Commandment? What does the First Commandment forbid? What does the First Commandment require of us? So on and so forth. And that pattern continues all the way through each one of the Ten Commandments. God's law is presented to us in questions 45 through 89. There we learn the duty that God requires of us. But the gospel is presented in this section also, but in a different way. In the first portion of our catechism, uh, the gospel is presented in a redemptive historical way. But in this second portion of our catechism, the gospel is presented in a law gospel way. And what do I mean by that? Well, first we are taught the law. This is the duty God requires of us. But can we be saved through the keeping of this law, friends? The answer is no. This law, though it is to be obeyed, cannot save us. And this is really brought to our attention in question 90. 
Let me read question 90 to you and its answer. What does God require of us that we may escape His wrath and curse due to us for sin? You see, this question is being asked because uh, it has already been said to us in this catechism that no one is able in this life to perfectly keep the commandments of God, but does daily break them in thought, word, and deed. We have learned that though not all uh, sins are equally heinous, they are all sins. And we have learned in question 89 that every sin deserves God's wrath and curse both in this life and that which is to come. And so there has been very bad news delivered to us. But question 90 asks, What does God require of us that we may escape His wrath and curse due to us for sin? The implication is that there is a way of escape. Listen to the answer. To escape the wrath and curse of God due to us for sin, God requires of us faith in Jesus Christ, repentance unto life, with the diligent use of all the outward means whereby Christ communicates to us the benefits of redemption. Do you see how we have come to the gospel again? We've come to it in a different way, not a redemptive historical way, as in the first portion of the catechism, but in this law gospel way. The law has been presented to us. Here's the duty that God requires of you. Now, have you kept God's law? No. We have violated it in thought, word, and deed. Well, what do you deserve? God's wrath and curse, both in this life and in the life to come. How do we escape this wrath and curse of God? It is through, again, faith in Jesus Christ. So law gives way to gospel right here at question 90 of our catechism. Question 91 asks, what is faith in Jesus Christ? Faith in Jesus Christ is a saving grace, whereby we receive and rest upon Him alone for salvation, as He is offered to us in the gospel. Question 92 also asks, what is repentance unto life? And it too is called a saving grace, that is to say, a saving gift from God. I think this is my favorite portion of the catechism here, questions 90 through 92. Uh, the law slays us. The law shows us our guilt. The law shows us our sin and misery. But then Christ is held forth as our Savior. Here is the gospel. It's in questions 93 through 114 that the outward and ordinary means of grace are presented to us. And there are four mentioned the Word of God, baptism, the Lord's Supper, and prayer. These are the things that God uses in order to bring His elect to salvation and to grow them up in the faith. We learn about the Word of God as a means of grace in questions 94 and 95. We learn about baptism in questions 96 through 101. We learn about the Lord's Supper in questions 102 through 104. And then our catechism beautifully concludes with some teaching on prayer using the Lord's Prayer as our guide in questions 105 through 114. I present you with this overview, brothers and sisters, because I want you to see the big picture. I want you to see the beauty of this document. It truly is a wonderful summary of the teaching of Holy Scripture. It truly is a wonderful summary of the Christian faith. It is a wonderful presentation of the Gospel too. Parents especially, as they take their children through this, need to keep the Gospel sections ever in view. You know, Not everything is gospel, but everything is preparing for the gospel in this wonderful document. And so we must keep these wonderful gospel sections in view. Questions uh, 90 and 92, through 92 especially, and also uh, questions 32 through 34. So why preach catechetically? It is because ministers of the gospel 
are called to teach the faith. And they are also called to contend for the faith. That definite article, the, the, is very important. We have faith in Christ, you and I do. But there is such thing as the faith. It is the doctrines that are contained within Holy Scripture. And the faith is to be taught. The faith is to be contended for always. It is true that the Word of God, the Holy Scripture, is our final authority in matters of faith and obedience. Our confession states that uh, from the outset, the very first line says, The Holy Scripture is the only sufficient, certain, and infallible rule of all saving faith, saving knowledge, faith, and obedience. And our catechism teaches us too in questions 3 and 4. The Word of God is our authority for truth, but it is good and right for us, especially as ministers of the Word of God, to take the teaching of Holy Scripture and to condense it down and to present it in a concise way. And that is what our catechism does uh, very briefly. There are multiple ways to teach the Bible, friends. Preachers may preach the Word of God in an expositional way, moving slowly through the text of Scripture, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book. And this is a very good approach. It's what we do in the first service on the Lord's Day. But the Scriptures can also be taught topically. The, the, the Scriptures can also be taught systematically. And that is what we do when we make use of a catechism like this one. I do hope and pray that you never grow tired of catechetical preaching and teaching. I was talking with another minister a couple of weeks ago, and we were talking about liturgy and um, kind of our practice here at Emmaus and the fact that we do catechetical preaching. And he, he says he knows a, another pastor who um, ministers in, in another Reformed tradition, and he, he made the comment that he found uh, that those who are new to catechetical preaching... They love it. They love it. But some who've grown up in traditions where catechetical preaching has been going on for a very long time, they grow tired of it. I said, well, how sad is this? I hope that's never true of us. But that we would always appreciate the Christian faith being taught in this way. Uh, it is important for those who are seasoned and mature in the Lord to be reminded of these old essential truths. Don't you agree with that? It's important to be reminded of these old essential truths, truths that maybe you learned 30 or 40 years ago. You need to be reminded of these truths. You need to take them in and meditate upon them and apply them uh, with, with a new freshness. It's especially important that those who are new to the Christian faith be taught these truths. Uh, our children need to be taught them. Those who are new to the faith need to be taught them. And the whole church together should rejoice in the fact that these truths are being taught. It should excite us that the Christian faith is being presented in this a concise, methodical fashion. I hope we never grow tired of it, brothers and sisters. And so, yes, thank you for allowing me to give you this brief overview of the Baptist Catechism. I hope it is helpful to you to show you the big picture of what is being taught here. I pray that your enthusiasm for this approach in preaching would grow and grow. Let's bow together for a brief word of prayer, and then we will go to corporate prayer. Our Father in heaven, we do give you thanks for this historical document uh, which does faithfully present the Christian faith. I pray that we would use it well here at Emmaus, that we would use it well corporately when we gather together on the Lord's Day, that we would also use it well in our homes. Uh, Lord, I pray for those who are um, advanced in years and seasoned in the faith that they would never grow tired of considering these foundational truths I pray for those who are young and those who are new to the faith that they would be eager to have firm foundations laid for them so that they might stand upon that firm foundation. 
Lord, may the faith be taught here faithfully. May it be contended for. And may your church flourish. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen.